Hey, it's episode 87, Creative Writing Podcast. What the hell? Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles, mayhem, and misinformation. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. And isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, but they want to be an asshole? You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new ways kit my... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded sloth. I have to stop talking shit. All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever the two of cocaine. All right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Oh yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. This happens to be episode 87. How is everybody doing tonight? How are you doing today, this morning, whenever you're listening? Um, Hey, we had a hiatus last week. I know it felt like a month, but it was only one week, everybody. But I am proud that the episode that got left up for a week was Brian Bell from Ivy League. You heard me talk about him a bajillion times uh, over the course of the last few couple of years that the show has been going. And I just wanted to say thank you so much to Brian and for coming on and talking about all the stuff they do, all the effort that goes into the Ivy League productions and the shows to make them what they are. And uh, for mentioning the Twisted Throttles event that's going to be coming up uh, right around the beginning of November. Uh, it's all over social media. I've added it to all of our contact stuff. So mark your calendars. I know, you know, when October rolls around and everyone, you know, especially if you got kids, Halloween is like the craziest, best holiday ever. You get to dress up crazy and get free candy from everybody, right? So once Halloween hits, it's all downhill from there. You got to start, you know, doing your last minute Christmas shopping and doing the big Thanksgiving family get together, sometimes family reunions. So I know November gets busy, but please mark your calendars because we can't afford to not be uh, going to super cool events like this one, especially if it's going to be the next Sturgis of the West Coast. So that's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, also, I would love to apologize to the WIR Top 10 group. Uh, of course, of course, I started recording as they were racing, and I bet you, you know, everything was going fine. First round was great. The track dried out. Uh, as soon as I hit record, I bet you anything it start is when the deluge came down. So, uh, you know, as you heard on the last episode, it d- totally started raining right as I started recording this and they only made it through first rounds, which means Michelle's on top. There was a couple of position changes. Um, I don't even think the stock wheelbase class ran just because it was so hectic and, and crazy that day and Sturgis going on and everything like that. So, uh, our man, Chris Singsheim did a little bit, a little write up and we have thrown that up on creative writing, uh, creative dash writing.com. If you want to go check that out and get the lowdown on what happened, uh, exactly for that, uh, that event, some pretty funny stuff happened. And man, I, I'm so sorry, WIR guys. I'm, I'm, I swear I'm like the worst luck for you guys. I got to quit mentioning mentioning you, period, uh, before the races. It's going to be like one of those crazy superstitious things. Um, but you know what? To celebrate everything that's WIR and to celebrate the group, uh, I made a little jam. 
about racing life in Wisconsin. Let's let's listen to let's take our first break uh, four minutes in. Welcome to Wisconsin. We got cheese, sturgeon, snow, and ice. We're kind of close to Canada, so we talk real funny and we're way too nice. Living in Wisconsin means that sometimes the two-wheeled life is a trip. You'll ride 50 miles for a burger, 20 for a taco, 60 miles for some chicken strips. So here in Wisconsin, there's a group. They love to race bikes grudge style. They call the top 10 from WIR. They're scooting down the quarter mile. They're smart. They push 300 horses out the ass of a 50cc Zuma scooter. They build their own stuff, but they can't figure out the chat links on a goddamn computer. Certainly hope you guys like that one. Uh, I whipped that one out in about a half an hour. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys like that, WIR peeps, because I know you are constantly getting rained out, and I am the worst luck for you. Hey, that reminded me. Speaking of the WIR Top 10 getting rained out, and you know, basically they only have about four months of riding up there in Wisconsin, which reminded me that it's like, almost September. I was just re-listening to episode 44 where we talked about fuel and storing bikes and ethanol and fuel. And I thought, man, that was September of, of last year that I recorded that. And we're like two weeks away. I was already talking about prepping bikes for winter storage. So 
Yeah, it's super sad because we were just talking about how it's been hot as blazes and now pretty soon it's going to be time to tuck those babies into bed if you live in certain parts of the country. And so, hey, summer's quickly coming to an end. I mean, school has started. School is fast approaching, if not already started, for you and your little groms. Squirrels running around grabbing nuts. Bears are eating the squirrels, getting fat. Uh, Sturgis ending kind of marks the end of summer. And uh, fall is fast approaching. And with it is time to prep your bike for the winter and also time to think about spooky spokes. Spooky Spokes, if you remember, was our Halloween show last year. And uh, this year, I think I will be able to take uh, submissions up to October 25th, probably. I think the 26th is a Thursday or Friday. So I'll be able to take them up to the Wednesday, maybe the Thursday before uh, that Friday. So I think that's going to be the 26th. Um, so yeah, if you can send them in before that to creative writing podcast at gmail.com, uh, spooky spokes is basically like our fall edition of the solstice slam, only it's spooky stories. And if you remember last year, uh, we got a lot of great submissions, a lot of really cool and kind of creepy stuff people doing on their motorcycles, riding to really haunted, crazy places and, Ooh. Uh, I myself rode down to San Diego to Proctor Valley, which is a supposedly haunted road from back, you know, I think the folklore started in the 60s. Um, and yeah, that that trip almost tore me up. Uh, my bike took a while to recover, as did like myself. So if you go, go back and listen to Spooky Spokes last year, you'll get an idea of what we're looking for. It's an all submission show, very few uh, things to cover in it. So yeah, email your stories and email your voicemails and, and send me a voice memo to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. We'll slap them in there. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff since we didn't have a show last week that I really want to cover. What I did uh, last week um, was I wrote, I went for a ride up Azusa to Crystal Lake, and not the Crystal Lake from the famed, is it Friday the 13th movies, uh, you know, where Mike Myers is killing everybody, not that Crystal Lake, the other Crystal Lake where I rode up and I ate a chicken sandwich uh, with my head on a swivel because there's lots of bears up there, and I'm not talking about the kind that write you tickets, like actual bears that will eat you. Um, so yeah, I rode up to Crystal Lake. Pretty crowded, not as fun as one would one would hope. Um, I kind of stay away from the other side of the hill where like there's Mulholland and the Rock Store and all that because everyone and their damn grandpa goes over there, right? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry on two wheels. And who tends to run into each other when they're on two wheels? Other two-wheeled people. Uh, motorcycle crashers fill up YouTube, smashing into each other and doing stupid stuff. And so I tend to stay away from that. So went for a little jaunt up uh, Zuzi Canyon uh, road, had myself some lunch up there and there was just so many people out. It was such a beautiful day. So many people out enjoying the, um, the Canyon and enjoying like all the day use areas to have picnics and hang out and swim and go in the Creek and everything. So a lot of pedestrian traffic up to a certain point. And there's also a off highway vehicle area up there where people take quads and like huge lifted trucks and stuff. And dude, people were trailering with their huge lifted truck, they were trailering other even huger lifted trucks up into there. So going behind a guy on a trailer that can only do like 20 miles through the canyon, it was just pretty crummy. Um, but something fun that I did do was the uh, Hell on Wheels 
Hot August Nights. Every August, Hell on Wheels does a little event called Hot August Nights. And uh, this year they've had Hot Summer Nights, which has been a pretty cool race little series that they put on. I think they did like a two or three round series. And uh, they've been doing putting it on all summer. And it's traditionally, you know, last year it was an industry. This year uh, it's been at Paris and uh, a couple other places. I can't remember where the other one was. One was at Paris. One was at Milestone I, or something like that. I forget where. But um, they've been, yeah, putting on a little little series this year of, of summertime racing. And, you know, making it at nighttime because it's been hot as blazes during the daytime. So I took a little trip with the kiddos out to Paris. Uh, to check out the racing action, posted some of it up on Facebook, took, uh, you know, did some pics. I, I do want to ask, we got some cool sound bites from there and I'll play them in a second, but I do want to ask anybody that's listening to this that went out there that day, how did you like that dead pit bull out there on the road, on the main road going to Paris? It looked like the, uh, the hairiest shark ever, like a dead hairy shark. Cause this thing, you know, pit bulls look gnarly as it is. This thing had its mouth open. It wasn't like splattered everywhere. It was just this big, like dead dog with the mouth wide open. And so it kind of looked like a hairy shark demon thing. Ugh, it was creepy. So I was like, ugh. Hope my kids didn't see that riding out there. But uh, let's check out some of the audio from that race. sounds so cool uh i love the smell of race gas and i just love the sound of bikes ripping through the turns like that and uh you know you don't really get to see old vintage stuff race too much on road courses so it's really cool to go to these hell on wheels events where just any dude can come out with any old hunk of junk and that's what they actually prefer and what they love um but yeah i think that was like the uh vintage i forget exactly what that was it wasn't the modern class but even the modern classes, quote, modern at a Hell, Hell on Wheels event. Um, yeah, we did get some pretty cool foot, uh, sound bites. I shouldn't say footage. And we got some of the hooligan class, too, which, you know, I think on the uh, episode 80, uh, 85, we talked about Big Bang. You know, I talked about Big Bang to you, I guess. And uh, I was telling you about the sound of the Indians versus the Harleys. And it just so happens that there was some Indian scout, uh, you know, versus Harley Davidson XG. And I think we got some audio of that. We should we should listen to that. Let's, let me see if I can round that up.
See, I can already tell you which one's the Indians, <clears throat> just because the way they sound, and which ones were the Harleys. And uh, yeah, so pretty interesting. Um, and by the way, those aren't the Scout like FTR 750s that they are racing on the flat tracks, by the way. Those are the Scout 60s, which are, uh, I don't know, like a uh, 60 cubic inch is... Um, 983, 983 cc. So like, you know, 980, not quite a thousand, but, um, yeah, so that's, what's racing around there, but you could just hear that really crisp valve sound of the, um, the scouts over the roar of the Harleys, man. They just, they are super distinctive when it's the hooligan bikes we're talking about. So I also got some opinions from some youngsters, a couple little cute gromlins. Let's see what they had to say about Hell on Wheels' hot August nights race. I'm here with little grandma, and we're, I'm going to ask you, little grandma, hey, what did you think about the races uh, over the weekend? What was your favorite part of that, would you say? First of all, I'm not a grandma. I am a little girl, of course, you know, your daughter. <laughs> and I really liked it, though there was a couple guys who fell down. What did you think about the crashes? They were kind of like, one was like really, really bad. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. That guy, he got up and walked away and people cheered when he finally got up, but it was, it looked pretty bad. Was it scary to see that, somebody crashing that, that bad on the track? I know. I, I, I thought I thought he was like almost like really, really like broken a bone or something. Yeah, he did break his uh, handlebars on his bike at the end of the night. There's some pictures floating around on the internet of the the damage done. That was not an easy high side. Um, what else did you like about it? Well, I like that. Um, well, lots of the same people won, but there were. Um, other ones who like won the races too, but the different people. Yeah, what it really showcased was the the fast people in the scene, and it and it really showed you who's fast, who's not fast, because the same guys kind of were up there in the top every time, huh? Yeah. And I have to say that you didn't know this, but Go Takamini, he was racing his bike there, and one of his buddies, Cheetah. In the cheetah helmet, you guys really like that guy. We stopped and talked to him in the pits, yeah? Yeah. What would you say was your favorite outfit out there? Um, I really like when the guy had, like, the American suit on and all the, like, neon green stars on the top. Yeah, there was some pretty colorful stuff, some really 90s stuff with lots of neons and purples and pinks and greens. And you guys were talking about Somebody that was in purple and pink. Do you remember that person? Yeah. Was that a boy or a girl? I think... I didn't know because it looks like it was a girl, but it didn't seem to have any long hair. I know boys can have long hair, but it just... Sometimes that just doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the thing, too, is I thought it was a, a little... Uh, I wasn't sure if it was a boy or a girl either because... There was um, a kind of a, a comeback of 90s fashion, which was like bright pinks and purples that even guys wore at the time. But then we saw that person racing with the girls later. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember how that person did? Yes. 
number. <laughs> yeah. What number? Like one. Yeah, that person turned out to be very, very fast. I think the number was 13. I don't remember the last uh, name of the writer, but I think it did turn out to be a girl. And so you guys were pointing out the fact that, you know, I was trying to make a point that you could wear purple or pink. You could wear whatever you want, really, to race in. Yeah. But it did turn out to be a girl, I think. And she was fast at that. And she was young because she was racing in the kids' class. And then she went out and put the spank on a bunch of older girls that were out there, huh? She was like eight or something. She looked like around eight or nine or 11. Or Or 16 or 19 or four or 12. (laughs) Why four? I was just just throwing out other numbers that she could have been. So did those girls out there on the track inspire you? Would you want to race now in the future? Yeah, but probably not get hurt or fall or anything. That would really, really hurt. So did the guy falling down kind of make you wary of it? Yeah, it made me scared, but the winners also made me really, like, excited about it. But the people who fell down made me feel like, yes or no? I have no idea. (gasps) Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, uh, little girl who's not a grandma. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. We are here with little grandpa who is currently building a... I don't want to. What was your favorite part about mo- the motorcycle races that you went to? Because, like, like they were cool and the ones I picked were winners. And, like, just they were really awesome. Yeah, I have to say that you were three for three as far as the racers go. You only picked three or possibly four racers. And of those four guys or three guys that you picked, they ended up winning the race. How did that make you feel? When you Were you, were you excited watching well, I them? All, all of the races, I picked the winners. Oh, so you only told me three, but you were actually 100% that day. Yes. Did it make you excited to see your guys coming in first? Yeah. And how excited were you when you saw the crashes? Your sister was a little bit upset when she saw the crashes. I think uh, she was a little... They were awesome. So that's a race report from Granny and Grampy. And... uh... (laughs) No? She is my sister. I'm her brother. Okay, so that's the race report from not Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Hey, do you have something coming up for a biker, but you don't got a lot of scratch? You need to get them something in a pinch? Check out dailybikers.com. Daily Bikers has a wide variety of everything from gift cards, sticker packs, heck, pillowcases, wall art. They even have a 33-page coloring book full of motorcycles, guaranteed to delight any biker in your life. Check them out at dailybikers.com or go to Daily Bikers store. Tell them creative writing sent you. All right, everybody. Since there was no episode last week, I have a long list of stuff I wanted to get through. Uh, I don't know if I will or not. So here's what I want to talk about. I've been reading lots of stuff. Bike Bandit had a great article on why motorcycle big brands are dying. Um, A lot of people have been talking about the fact that the UK has stated that they're going to be banning uh, gasoline 
um, or non-hybrid motors by 2040, I think it was. Um, if you go uh, listen last year in October, there's a post on creative-writing.com that I did about uh, the Germans are coming. And there's even an episode, episode 47, I want to say, it's called The Germans Are Coming. And it specifically talked about BMW and their Vision Next 100, um, which was their future for, you know, the future vision of cars and motorcycles in the world. And as part of Dieselgate, um, VW, and basically anybody in the whole VW auto group, you know, Audi, um, as along with Mercedes and BMW, that's why we're saying the Germans are coming, they're all investing super heavily in electric vehicle technology and infrastructure. And now Volvo has announced that they're going to make all uh, hybrid or electric within the next few years. Um, you know, basically everybody's kind of doing it. And, and India has also said, uh, I guess, little known, but they want to go to full electric by 2030. So everybody wants to do this within the next, um, gosh, that's almost like tw 10 years. You know what I mean? It's almost 2020 right now. And so everybody that's saying, hey, we're going to have these plans out by 2020, we're going to have uh, stuff going by 2030, 2040. And in the past, you've heard them talk about how long it takes to, to develop stuff and get this these markets going well they've been developing the market actually for a long time in the technology so basically it's just implementing it and making these regulations that kind of pretty much outlaw uh you know gas and what's happened here in this country is that the orange one has come to power and is rolling back epa um, which isn't necessary now the epa does a lot of stuff we could we, you know that could be its whole own own uh, episode but rolling back the clean air stuff, dropping out of these uh, global accords that are for climate change and agreements that say, hey, we're not going to pollute. And it's really paved the way for other countries. Last year, uh, when he was running and he said he was going to roll back um, EPA stuff, China said, hey, listen, we are going to We'll, we'll step up and we're going to lead the, the way in global trade because he dropped out of the TPP and now uh, global climate change, I guess, and, and climate awareness. So China is actually rushing to the forefront of battery production and electric car production. And I just wanted to say, how, how does China partner with the company like GM to make an electric car that costs less than a freaking dirt bike? Uh, I was looking up an article and China has this little car called the Baozhen E100 and it basically looks like a smart for two. I think it was designed with with the people from uh, smart uh, and it's only 5,300 US dollars. I did the, the conversion from, you know, whatever the Chinese uh, currency is to US and that's cheap, dude, for a car that basically is like the BMW i3 or the smart for two, but it's all electric. They also have a bigger one called the 310 or the 310, I guess. And excuse me, it looks like a Mazda 5. It's it's not a slouch. It's not some crummy looking, you know, weirdo car. Um, and China, of course, leading the way in global manufacturing as well, because everything that every other country is uh, importing back and buying is made in China. I mean, from apples and iPhones to scooters and, and now cars. And, and, you know, it's just it's so crazy that they are uh, able to do this. And the, the 310, the, that uh, Baozhen 310, is only $7,500. In contrast, I was looking at bike prices, and a YZ250F is $7,699, so $7,700 basically. The more, 
than a five door electric hatchback. Uh, the YZ125 is $64.99. So that's still more than that little Smart for Two Baojun E100 looking thing. And so I was thinking, like, wow, what about Hondas? The CR250, CRF250X is $7,600. And the CRF 450X is $8,700. That's almost $9,000 damn dollars after taxes, financing, and destination charge. You're probably looking around ten dollars for a dirt bike for, you know, for what? Um, so they're, they're looking to shame the USA after we're abandoning all of our climate policies and uh, rolling back EPA regulations and things like that. And as part of their like green, I don't know, let's call it their green streak, they are going to up their battery production. I recently read an article also that Tesla's Gigafactory in Nevada they were reporting that they were producing more batteries than any other battery factory in the world. And pretty much they had said that they, when the, it's only like one sixth complete or something like that. And they're saying when it's done, it'll be producing more batteries than all the battery companies in the world. And this is lithium, lithium, lithium ion only. This isn't like, you know, regular lead acid and stuff like that. This is particularly uh, batteries for electric vehicle use. Uh, I'm pretty sure is what the specific batteries are for. Um, so that was in 2013. Fast forward a couple years, you know, now it's 2017. China's saying they're going to up their production and they're pretty much going to dust Tesla because back at the time, you know, that would have been uh, really good. But now the other company, other countries are stepping up and saying, Hey, we're going to do this. And obviously India and places like that, they're also going to be upping their electric vehicle, uh, usage, consumption, production, and so on and so forth. I, I guarantee you other countries are going to be, uh, moving into this, um, fill some of the void basically and we're probably not going to be you know the the uh, the gigafactory although it's going to be great and it's going to make a lot of batteries uh probably going to be unable to compete with crazy countries like China you know what i mean when you think about how how much resources they have over there and how much manufacturing goes over there um so china is saying that they're by 2021 they want to increase their global production um, I think it was to 65% of the world's share, and I think they're at 55% right now, so it's only a 10% uh, step up in production for them. And so they would easily leave Tesla in the dust, is what this article was saying, um, based on Tesla's 2013 goals, which are going to be outdated by, you know, in the next three years, which will be 2021, right? 2020, 2020, 2021. Um, so anyway, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And it raises two questions uh, for me. One of them is that, uh, will these companies start making electric motorcycles? And I was thinking about what happened when the wagon and carriage um, became, you know, when the automobile came around, people kind of quit buying wagons and carriages. Um, when the automatic washing machine came out, people quit buying the old, uh, the belt drive crankers and the washboards, you know, the ribbed washboards. So now that self-driving cars where basically you can just sit in a seat, there's a big, basically an iPad or a computer right there in front of you embedded in the dash. If you've ever seen a the interior of a Tesla, more stuff is moving toward that infotainment as they call it. And uh, the car is going to do all the work for you. I kind of feel like BMW's um, Vision Next 100 motorcycle and the new Honda self-balancing, self-driving motorcycle, they're going to be the wave of the future. I mean, people are, the younger people coming up right now aren't going to want 
particularly the things that we now as motorcyclists enjoy. And we have to think about our legacy. Um, we have to think about, you know, not necessarily what we want now and what's practical now, but these companies are looking forward to the next 10, 20 years. And in some cases, like three or four years away. And so I really feel like there's a couple things going on right now that is really setting us back. And part of that is the, um, well, the government's focus away from continuing the whether or not you believe in global, global climate change and all that stuff is one thing. But if you I, pollution is something that you can't, uh, you know, turn your back on every every city I drive past out here in California. When you're driving through the wilderness and all of a sudden you come up, you can tell a city's coming up because you see this brown uh, haze above it and it's smog. So I think we can all say that China has been and India for sure have been some of the smoggiest, grossest like uh, very unhealthy countries to live in. And as far as the future goes, it seems like only North America and Africa are only like the two continents that I haven't heard somebody saying we're going to push for electric and we're going to push for, you know, more infrastructure and stuff like that for the future. So that's going to leave us asked out and people aren't going to make uh, a whole bunch of vehicles for one market. You know what I mean? So we're going to be... I don't know. You know, I, I was just thinking about this this legacy that the fact that bike sales are going down, if you, you know, according to that Bike Bandit uh, article. And I started thinking, you know, like we need to engage more riders. Everybody's always saying that we need to do this and that. But what they're not saying is that we need to embrace the coming changes instead of pushing against them so hard and saying, man, I wish they would quit regulating us against this and that, this and that. And man, I wish that, you know, these dumb, stupid electric motorcycles that are going to be coming out, man, I'd never ride those. Uh, I was on the Motorcycle Men podcast recently, and they asked me what I would, what kind of motorcycle I'd like, and I said, you know, like an old rumbly, crummy bike, and I totally forgot about when I rode a Brammo uh, a while back. Now, obviously, they were uh, victory. Um, that feeling that I got riding that thing was just like being a bird, you know, and instead of being in a helicopter or a plane flying around, it, it would be like being in a hang glider or being able to just to levitate, right? Like the silence, the wind, the, uh, the elements are on you and you're kind of like disengaged from all the sound and everything that comes with the motorcycle. Now, for some of us, we love that for sure. But until you experience an electric, it's, you know, it's something that you can't really, uh, you shouldn't really diss because you've, you haven't done it yet. So go, go out and ride an electric and then see how you feel. It's, it's almost like flying three feet off the ground. Right. And as part of the, uh, like I said, the administration repealing some of the, uh, or trying to roll back some of the climate change and, and EPA issues, you know, whatever that, you know, that's its own separate issue, but the, the, the trade, uh, administration. And I talked about this before. Um, basically, the US trade representative with the beef ban, that's doing two things. So on one hand, we have like all the environmental stuff going out the door, and it makes like researching electric technology, not as important as it used to be. And on the other hand, where we can expand, which is like, uh, you know, big bike sales are dying, according to this uh, article. And that's Kind of funny because if you look at bike sales in, in 2016, almost not quite half, but uh, I think more than a third of the bike sales were the power sports industry, off-road motorcycles, off-road quads, off-road side-by-side, stuff like that. And that's the one place where you don't 
need, you know, little kids can ride little P50s around in, in off-highway vehicle areas. You want to get people engaged and you're not making electric cars with infotainment systems in them or electric bikes to engage the younger people that are looking for clean vehicle energy, then you have to go after this segment, the off-road segment where you can still enjoy a family trip out to the desert or the woods or the trails or whatever and get your kid a little bike even though they're going to be like six or $7,000, you know, the price of an electric car. Uh, you go out there and you engage the kids. However, with the beef ban, the bikes for beef, uh, they're not, they're kind of moving forward with that. I don't know. Pardon me, I'm going to die here. I don't know how far that's actually made it uh, through legislation yet, but it's not off the table. They're still trying to use it to leverage, you know, our crappy hormone laden beef over in Europe where they don't want to buy junk. But we're saying, listen, you take that or we're not going to take your bikes. And so what we're doing is we're, you know, we're putting down two two markets at the same time. We're, we're, we're saying we don't care about the electric market uh, expanding and becoming part of our future. We're also saying, you know, sorry, but your little kid can't buy a KTM or a Hoosberg or a, I think even like Gas Gas and, and Beta and all those stuff that's uh, Spanish brands uh, can't come over here. You're going to, you know, for whatever reason, there's a lot of off-road stuff that we're not taking into account when it makes up almost half of the entirety of motorcycle sales for 2016. Uh, it doesn't get really that uh, much attention because it's not out there on the road. You don't see it riding every day. It's not a Harley Davidson on a commercial, so on and so forth. So it's like even more of a specialty market as uh, of a niche that's like motorcycles already are. You know, they're already considered a, a leisure item. So when I was reading these things about the global motorcycle market collapsing and simultaneously hearing all these things about the electric technology and bans on gas engines and how much motorcycles hate them. Hey, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening right now. And zero motorcycles, Alta motorcycles. Um, I wish Motor Sizz. There's a, there's a couple companies that make motorcycles that aren't really like that well-known or that public, like Energica and stuff like that, that have also come to California that are working on the forefront of electric technology. And we're going to need it, you know? And the more that people, um, you know, ban bikes from being sold here from other countries that little kids can actually ride, and the more people, uh, you know, say, listen, we don't need electric technology, so in like, you know, gasoline is finite. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess every resource is finite to some degree, but we've found new ways to generate electricity and uh, battery technology and, and actually electric infrastructure being pushed by all these car manufacturers like BMW, Audi, um, Toyota, you know, everybody that that's in it and, and uh, that's got electric car programs going. They're actually pushing, buying, constructing infrastructure. And so all these charge times of eight hours and stuff it's gonna be just a few years before it's gone you know before that's uh down to like half an hour just trust me on this and also it means brands like harley davidson with project livewire if their sales are slumping so bad they're gonna have you know they're planning on doing like 100 bikes in 10 years that 10 years is gonna overlap the global ban on gas engines on internal combustion so i think that they need to get with they need to continue the project livewire hopefully it'll be out in a couple of years they said i think 2021 the last time they made a statement about it that's right in line with what's happening globally, and that's right in line with what needs to happen to keep this financial, you know, it's it's all doom and gloom when you read the uh, motorcycle 
articles and, and all this stuff about the motorcycle industry and how it's falling. Well, we're at the peak right now, man. And the only way to go is down. And the only thing to do is change a little bit to make it keep it more relevant so that we don't go down and that we continue to go up. And for me, it'll be just as exciting to see what happens when Indian finally does bring out some of that uh, victory impulse um, motorcycle technology. It, it, hell, they could put it in a cruiser. I don't care what they do with it, but we need to start using it. We need to start being smarter about it and all this doom and gloom will go away uh you know all of the the beef band stuff won't matter you know it'll be it'll be clean motorcycle engines coming across nobody's gonna put the kibosh on that you know so i don't know i just i was reading a bunch of stuff it felt real doom and gloom and i felt like Oops, a little audio problem there. Uh, I felt like it just needed to be kind of, you know, I, I, I never really report on stuff that I don't feel like it's credible. And uh, I felt like this was one of those other things that, you know, I don't know if they're trying to scare us into pushing pushing us to buy newer bikes and all this great stuff. But what I do know is that the future's coming. There's nothing we could do about it. And if we really do care about the legacy of motorcycling, we should care about where it goes from here. You know, if you told somebody back in the 1900s that that motorized bicycle that they were going to be riding was going to become like uh, a 200 horsepower H2 that could look like a crazy alien ship and go 300 miles an hour, I don't think they would have believed you. But it did and it's happened and we love it now, right? Or that would become a gigantic bagger that weighed nearly a thousand pounds with bags and windshields and all that stuff. And they're like, what, this little 300 pound motorcycle? I don't think they would have believed that either. So no matter which way we go, we need to kind of embrace the change and uh, be okay with it. You know what I mean? Uh, enough said about that. Let's move on to something else. Right, folks, you've heard us talk about them before. It's RP Enterprises. RP Enterprises is now back with the RP Binger. That's right. No time for Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones just too complicated. They'll send a professional binge watcher to your place to sit through all of them. And afterwards, they'll let you know how you either totally missed out or maybe dodged a real bullet. It's $250 per season or $50 additional season if it's a crime or courtroom drama. You'll need to supply snacks and be quiet while the show is on and the binger should not be interrupted otherwise. And if you need more information, check out RP Enterprises. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. We have an upcoming guest. It is Chris Wiggins. He's a third timer now. Uh, he's a Harley hooligan racer for Team Speed Merchant. He came over the other night. He was manhandled by my dog. Uh, re I refused him snacks, but I did give him some beer just to get some insight on his thoughts about the Hot August Nights uh, Hell on Wheels event that happened on August 5th. Now, I got some new lavalier mics that are pretty cool. Chris and I both have some facial hair. He looks like a very young Santa Claus. I look like Floki from Vikings. And uh, so once in a while, you might hear like our beardies and mustaches rubbing on the microphones. However, bear with me on this. Uh, we're not going to cut any of it out. And we did talk for, I don't know, like 18 hours. Uh, I split it into two parts. We're only going to talk about the hooligan uh, racing, the, you know, the hell on wheels, uh, hot August nights and all that stuff on this episode. We'll save the other 15 hours for another episode or like 12 more. And uh, yeah, so sit back and enjoy the ride. And after the interview, we'll talk about uh, some upcoming events and other podcasts to listen to. So sit back and relax with the smooth, smooth sounds of Wave Zero Nine. It was good. Um, Meatball is 
I've been doing Hell on Wheel events for a while, and Meatball's always been like the best promoter and the worst organizer. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and he's getting better at organizing, and it's taken him a few years, but he's doing it. And uh, he also, like, I think the hooligans were almost like the main thing at, the, at his race. Like, we were the, the final race, but I think, like, uh, we were almost the main, like, numbers-wise, too. Like, it used to be a ton, a ton of, like, vintage dirt bikes, uh, the Von Zipper, the Fast House dudes with all, like, the 70s two-strokes. And that stuff was cool, but I, I think with those guys they want to do one or two flat tracks a year and they want to do like a, a little hill climb and they want to do a couple TTs and meatball's been doing more and more events. Like he used to do like two or three a year. And I think yeah. they were cool with that. And now that he's doing like six or seven or whatever, I just, I don't think that they want to come out to that many events and make that kind of commitment. So he kind of like started catering to the hooligans a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, he used to do some pretty famous, you know, he had a hill, Halloween hill climb, the scrambles, um, like you said, maybe one or two other than that. But then I noticed over the past couple of years, it's been uh, a lot more flat track, a lot yeah. more, um, not quite vintage motocross stuff, but you know what I mean, like sort of. He like, does the TTs and the steeplechase, yeah. and I'm not even sure what the difference is, and like the little, like, they're just like easy motor course, motocross yeah. tracks, and. The hill climb, I think he still does. I have, like, never made it to one, but I need to because it looks like stupid fun. Yeah. And it's, like, an easy hill to climb on our big bikes, but everyone dresses up and has a good time. And, like, it'd be cool to put a dirt bike tire on our bikes and just go out and do it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen all sorts of, like, from 50cc monkey bike to old, like, WLA going up that thing. Yeah, that, that looks like a fun. I, I've wanted to do that. With the um, Tracker Cross Halloween coming up, uh, I'm kind of wondering like how that, you know, that's going to also maybe steal the show. It might. I think, uh, I don't think Meatball has a, a date yet, so he'll probably plan yeah. accordingly and make it a different weekend. Um, but yeah, the tracker crosses in October and he's doing a little Halloween one. So yeah. we'll see if that interferes. Yeah. I was surprised and not surprised to see him at tracker cross just because it's like he, it takes so much stuff to put one of these on and it's kind of cool that he could probably like step away and get out to a race to just do it for fun. Yeah. But the hot August nights and the, uh, you know, Paris, he's been going out there for quite a long time, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, this, this weekend, <laughs> well, a couple weekends ago now is when it went down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's already been like two, two weekends, I guess. And, um, it was, pretty amazing um i i didn't show up i used to show up and just watch the practicing and, and stuff but uh i had a couple little kids with me so this time i just went out for basically all the heats and then the uh we split right before the main so i missed the good stuff but i can tell you what there was a hell of a lot of racing and uh, my kids were pumped when you went out they didn't even know who they didn't <laughs> know who you were because i don't know if they think they've ever met you beforehand but they were like, oh, that guy, number nine. And my son, he called three for three races. He called a couple of other ones. And, and the dudes won. And I was like, no, you're kidding. And he's like, no, Dad. All the races I picked, they won. So apparently he had been picking them and just not huh. telling me. But you were one of the dudes. I think you won your the last heat before the mains or something like that. You, you were... 
One of them. I won you, the first hooligan heat that I was in. That's what it, it yeah. must have been the first one because he was like, because number eight won the race right before you. And then he's like, now I'm going with number nine. And you won that one. And they were just <laughs> nice. like so stoked. So I was like, and I hey. wish he would have picked me for the main too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we hadn't have bailed, he might have. But <laughs> but yeah, no, that was a fun, a fun race. And as with all the hell on wheel stuff, there's always some sort of shenanigans or like crazy crashing that happens. And my kids saw josh home go down yeah and they were like whoa dad like that guy really crashed and it's funny because it, during the little pull start race there was a dude that fell down and my my son started laughing so hard it was embarrassing because it was like not it was like ah! and i was like looking around going dude no he crashed you don't laugh at people that crash but it was funny because it was a big guy on a little bike and he yeah. thought it was like a joke you know he, he kind of thought it was joe he's only five but then when you know, when Josh crashed, they knew he like, even, even him who had laughed earlier, he saw that and he was like, he looked at me like, dude, is that supposed to happen? And my daughter was like, Oh my God. And I was like, yeah, that was a gnarly high side he pulled. So yeah, he like, and I don't know, uh, the picture I saw, the bike was facing the outside of the track, but when it hit me, it was facing the inside of the track. So that thing, like it tumbled and it spit him pretty good. And Josh, like, I got to give it to Josh. I think what happened and I'm, I, I help Josh a lot, so I think I can say this about him and he won't be upset. Um, Josh got a really good start, and he was battling with, with Fast J. And Fast J and I battle a lot. And Fast J, to me, is like one of the most talented writers out there. And I think, not bad on Josh, like this isn't a bad thing, but I think Jay was a little bit out of Josh's league. And Josh wanted to hang with him as anyone would that's you know you're racing and i think he just got a little overzealous coming out of the corner and uh you know it it maybe hit a slick spot maybe hit a rut but watched josh ride a lot and if i had to guess he grabbed a big handful of throttle trying to keep up which is it's instinctual you know and uh it spit him pretty hard but also being josh he's a tough dude and that dude got up and if his bike would have been running, he would have been out there in the mains. Yeah. Like he's uh but we also gotta give it to Josh. Like Josh is a dude that he came out a little over his head and uh crashed a couple times and then he came over and he's like, dude, I don't I don't really wanna crash all the time. Like I don't wanna be that guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh he got a lot better. That's like he he kinda calmed down, he kinda slowed down his wrist and he got a lot better and a lot faster. We went to Dirtquake last year and he like surprised everyone. And we went to Dirtquake this year and he surprised everyone again, riding really good, really fast. Like he he loves that track, which I do too. But um, but yeah, I think he was in a hurry to win um, and to beat Fast J. And I'll tell you what, man, Fast J is called Fast J for a reason. Yeah. No, they were going in at a clip for sure. And all of a sudden, yeah, just like, it was, you know, it happened so damn fast, and I just thought, oh, my God. And both of his hands got pulled off the bars. And yeah. When he went down, he hit, he, like, flipped over it and landed kind of feet first but going backwards. So when he fell, his head, like, just slammed. And yeah. I saw him, that's the first thing I saw him grab was his head, and I was like, oh, shit. But he wasn't knocked out. He was, you know, he's a big guy, too. Yeah. Like, you, guys, you guys are both pretty big. And so I was like, damn. And he's holding his head, and he kind of rolled over and you could tell he was hurt, but he just kind of got up. And uh, I was surprised to see him just cruising around the pits later. I was like, holy yeah. crap, dude. Like, yeah, that was a, that was gnarly. But, yeah, I think you're, you're right. He probably, um, I mean, he was hanging. 
was yeah. definitely hanging until that happened. And so it's yeah. probably just like you never know where the edge is until you reach it. And yeah. Like go over it. And know? Josh is, uh, and giving him that too, like that was, you know, they were, I got to watch most of it. Like I was in my own battle in fourth in that heat. Like, so as you much were right, as you were right behind him, right? Uh, I had just made the pass into third. Yeah. We had a, another guy, um, James on the purple rain bike. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he got a good start too. And I was battling back there, like trying to figure him out. And these are like, he's a pretty new dude and he was giving me fits. So props to him. And, um, Josh was way out and he wasn't even, I wasn't even competition to him. So as much as I say, like, I, I think he got overzealous and grabbed too much throttle. Like I wasn't competing with him. So, but Josh is also a hockey player. So he like, sometimes he rides his motorcycle, like, or he gets up from crashes, like a hockey player. Like he's, (laughs) dude, this is going to sound funny, but when he had that Jersey on walking around the pits, it looked like a hockey, uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he does. He looks like a hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> cruising around the pits. But that's I mean, right. that's, I think that's part of it. And it's cool. Like, it, it, I don't know. I think that's part of like what makes the hooligan racing cool is like, we we're known for like taking a hit and getting back up and yeah. getting back out there. And, and that's kind of the fun part of it. And it makes it just like that much more interesting. And it gives people someone to root for. Like yeah. you see a dude eat, dirt like that that hard and get back up and go out there like you're cheering for him now yeah oh his bike the look like the uh, handlebars like the the triple clamps or that maybe it was the little um the clamps that hold the handlebars they were snapped like the pictures yeah. afterwards they were snapped but or else i'm sure he would have been but then you see guys like scott jones damn he went down like a hooker on payday he was <laughs> down <laughs> on the on the handshift bike, on the handshift bike, yeah. yeah. His other bike, he was okay, but that one, like, I was like, dang, he looked like he was struggling with it a little bit, and I was yeah. like, damn, Scott, give it hell, you know, and just keep getting back up and keep going. I was like, yeah, that's that's yeah. what you do. It's funny to see like the way different guys tackle it. Like, I was always the type of rider that I started off slow and worked my way up, and I tried to like stay one step ahead of a crash or like just behind that crash, and it's like it's worked pretty well for me. And then you got guys that I feel like start at the opposite end and Scott and Josh are those dudes like they go out full throttle first turn <laughs> yeah. and then they crash. So they go out and they back it off a little bit. Yeah. And it's like they work back to their safety zone where I try to work up to my safety zone. Yeah. But I guess to each his own, like those dudes are still living and still doing it. So yeah. no, it's fun to watch. You know, that's what, yeah. that's what makes it fun to watch is that they've been doing it a while and you can see where they've improved and then you can see when they try something new like that with the hand shift yeah and it's not necessarily uh something they do all the time so yeah. they're like yeah they're they're pushing it out there on something that they're just getting into so that was kind of cool yeah um i wanted to talk to you about you know after seeing you race um just two weekends ago out at paris i noticed that you were on well, you were on the XG. Is that your new XG that you recently uh, purchased, or that one's not my okay. personal one? That one is uh, belongs to Speed Merchant. Okay. Um, mine is just not done yet. We got a we busted ass to get that one done. Um, got mine kind of close, so now mine's like no one, including myself, want to touch it. <laughs> yeah. We're like, whatever that one runs, yeah, let's that ride that good. one. Yeah. How did how's that thing handling, and how's it working? Because it looked like you were doing pretty good. Like I I think. Earlier, you mentioned that you won your heat race, right? Yeah. Your first heat. And I think you came in third or something in the second heat. Uh, so I, 
I raced two different classes. I raced the modern class, which was a bunch of 450s and myself. <laughs> I noticed that actually. I, <laughs> that, that, speaking of that, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, so that was fun. I you did still well. Didn't do too bad, yeah. I still got third in the main, third in the first heat. I think I got fourth or fifth in the second heat. Um, the hooligan, I won my heat with Fast J. And I asked Jay, I go, dude, when I got around you, did you like let me run off? He's like, no. So I don't know whether he wasn't, because later in the night he beat me both other races. So yeah. um, the bike is good. Like Brawny, Speed Merchant Brawny, uh, he did some smart stuff with the rear shocks. Basically like the head tube on the, the XGs is too chopped out. Like it's not tight enough head tube angle, like yeah. way out front. So yeah. he lifted the rear of the bike enough to bring the head tube angle in. Okay. So it seems extremely tall. And when I stand on the bike or when I sit on it, like in the pits, it feels uncomfortable. The bike's tall. We have like 16 inch shocks on it. So it's tall itself. Shit. Yeah. And then he likes putting the seat up above the subframe a couple inches. Mm -hmm. And then the bars are low. So I feel weird. I feel like I'm tippy toed, but the bars are here. Yeah, you know what? It sounds like you're riding a bicycle from the 1800s. That's, where <laughs> it feels like that. Yeah. yeah. It definitely feels like that. So when I first got on, I was like, man, I don't know. And at, uh, at the Born Free Race, I practiced on it, and it felt good. felt really good. Mm, interesting. The suspension was a little bouncy, so we tweaked the rebound and uh, dampening a little bit. And then I did the like little XG exhibition there. We all had to be on Street 750s. It felt real good there, and I didn't have the best starting spot in the main. And there was no money on the line, at least that we knew of. We found out later there was, which was smart on their end. They had a purse, but they didn't tell anyone. Yeah. Um, so I rode it in the main at the Born Free Race. Felt good there. And then for X Games and Dirtquake, they were both big tracks, so I wanted to be on my Sportster. Like, the XGs don't have the power. My Sportster, I haven't dynoed it after I rebuilt the motor, but it's probably 75 to 80 horse. Stock, it was like 72, 73. Yeah. Um, and the torque's also right there with it. The XG is, my 800 is, I think, 68, and I think the stocker was 62. With a pipe and an air cleaner, they're like 52 bone stock. Yeah. Um, but the torque curve shoots right to 42 and then is flat, so it doesn't gain any torque. Um, like revving the hell out of it. Just It's just like the torque is like 42 huh. all the way across, but the horsepower keeps climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How weird. Um, but they rev a little harder. They ride more. The motor to me feels more like a 450 and less like a Sportster. But does it feel smaller overall, like the whole bike in general? It feels I mean, a little bit smaller, but yeah, right? when you weigh the bike, they still weigh about yeah. 400 and some pounds. So they're kind of weird in those regards. But when I'm on the bike, it feels good. Like when it's sideways and when I leaned over, the bars feel like they're in a good position. The seat feels good. The suspension feels pretty good. Um, the only thing I'll say about the XG is gearing for the hooligans is going to be more important. Like, yeah. I change gearing on my Sportster, but I could, I can tell in the street it's it's going to be more hit or miss. And if you miss, it's going to be really hard to ride because it just <laughs> doesn't. The Sportster makes so much torque down low yeah. that if you're at a low RPM, it'll come out of the corner real nice, or it'll break the tire loose, like, like nice and smooth. Where the XG, if you're geared too tall. When you break the tire loose, it wants to like get jumpy and snap the tire loose. Okay. Instead of like, if you have plenty of power, you can easily break the tire loose. But if you're fighting power and you're fighting breaking the tire loose, you're giving it a lot of throttle. Yeah. And then when it does break loose, it wants to really spin the tire. Yeah. Up. It's like that fine line. It's yeah. A finer line than you than the yeah. torque curve being so yeah. gradual. At the One thing I learned from Speedway was 
like everyone wants to slide and go sideways and they think if you're spinning the tire, you're spinning the tire, but that's not true. One thing I learned from Speedway was you don't want to spin the tire a lot faster than you're going. Like say the bike's going 40 mile an hour, you want to spin the tire like 45 mile an hour. Yeah. But if the bike's going 40 and you're, the tire's doing 80, it's yeah. really hard to ride and you're really not doing any, like you're not accelerating. Yeah. So it's that like coefficient of friction. The more you can fight the static friction, the better off the bike's going to be. Yeah, and the faster, we can get into this. I used to like study this stuff, but the faster that it's moving, the slip angle yeah. and the, everything else is like totally off compared mm-hmm. to relative to your speed and your movement, your your arc around the corner, right? Yeah. All that shit is like thrown off at that point, mm-hmm. right? And you're not really doing anything but getting your tire hot and yeah. slinging dirt. Looking cool. You're looking <laughs> cool. real cool. You might as well have a front brake and just squeeze it and pin it right around, yeah. the, around the corner. But overall, like they're a little underpowered. Like the Scouts, I think a 950 or something, they definitely have us on power. Um, but it's, the hooligan scouts are. Yeah, the scout 60s. Um, so those aren't like 750s or anything? Mm-mm. Okay. Those, uh, the scout 60 is a 60 cubic inch motor. Oh, shit. So yeah. it's like 950, 980, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's almost 1,000. Yeah. The regular scout's bigger, but they gave Roland all the 60s. I, I actually talked to Roland about it. I was like, so did you get a big motor one? And he's like, no, they made us all get 60s. Yeah. He may have a bigger motor one now because he said he was trying to get a big motor, but... Um, the big motor, like a guy like Roland can ride it. Like you have to finesse it more. Yeah. So, but the street, um, it's pretty good, man. It's super fun. Like it's maybe because it's different, but it's fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, the only reason I rode my Sportster in the mains was, uh, when Josh crashed, I avoided it mostly, but it clipped the brake lever and it, uh, broke where the brake goes into the master cylinder. So I lost the rear yeah. brake. And let, yeah, let's be specific. This is the rear brake lever this you know yeah. flat track bikes don't have a front brake lever just for yeah. anybody listening that wasn't 100 percent sure of that yeah he whacked the only brake lever yeah the only brake <laughs> lever and and if it doesn't work then you know then you yeah. don't have a brake lever you're just stepping on <laughs> a placebo effect yeah yeah i talked to you a little bit after that happened and you were telling me like man i was pushing it down and something's bent or something yeah. that doesn't doesn't do anything so. yeah it's uh I think it bent the arm that goes in, so it like it pulls. There's like a little cup in the master yeah. that is supposed to sit in, and it comes out of that. So it kind of you can, and it's bent down. It was hard to get to, so I don't know if I'm going to race it this weekend at Costa Mesa or not. I'm going to find out on Thursday, but yeah, this is Harley Harley night at Costa Mesa coming up. Or yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. If this comes out on Friday, then tomorrow for people listening will be <laughs> uh, Harley night at Costa Mesa Speedway. Yeah. Awesome. Go check that out if you're in the area. Yeah. If you're visiting from out of town, that's just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, that uh, cause I saw you racing. You were doing super good, and then you blew the corner on one. And then one time, yeah. I was like, holy shit, it looked like you didn't even try to stop. And yeah. then later, you're like, I saw you in the pits, and you're like, oh, yeah, my fucking brake don't work. Yeah. So, yeah, what a, what a bum. It worked like a little bit. Like, if I pushed it lightly, it would work. And, uh, I just went in yeah. that one. I went in a little bit deeper, pushed the brake a little harder, and it just had nothing. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. But, yeah, the the bike's good overall. And I, I got to give it to Brownie from Speed Merchant. Like, getting the head tube angle right by using the rear shocks was genius. Because we can't – you're not supposed to cut the head tube or anything. Yeah. Um, And a lot of guys that have ridden them complained about that. Yeah, basically what you, you you raise the back end is like decreasing the, the yeah. rake and trail on it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that 
increases yeah. your twitchy steering, which you kind of want, right? Yeah. And you want to get the weight, the rider weight and the bike weight on the front tire to get grip to a point too. There so you go. it was, uh, it Unless was just, you want to look cool, like sliding around a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was just a, it right out of the box. It felt really good. We didn't, I didn't do much adjustment to it. And I was surprised all the, we heard a lot of like negativity about people who had ridden the streets fast. Like some guys were like, Oh, I don't know. And some guys were like, man, it just feels heavy mid corner. And he's like, it's cause it's chopped out. Yeah. Um, and it's only a few degrees, but that makes a difference. Yeah. So like four degrees is what you get like from a sport bike to like a cruiser sort, you know, yeah. it's very, very few degrees there. Yeah. It makes a big, such a big difference. Have you ridden it on the street at all? Uh, no. Yeah. He's got everything to ride it on the street, I think. Yeah. So we definitely, I went to a little bit. No yeah. front brake sketches me out on the street. Yeah, that would sketch me out too. Um, and I personally, like, I'm not a fan of flat track. I am big about trusting tires, and yeah. I don't trust tires. Yeah. So flat track tires on the street will really bug me. Yeah. Um, yeah, after about, I don't know, four or five days, they'd probably be slicks because they're super soft. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I get weird out, weirded out about, like, trying to lean a bike over on pavement. Yeah. And it's also, weird. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say like flat out Friday though. It's totally weird because I'm totally fine with leaning it over there. So yeah. it, it's, I don't know. You're, well, because you're anticipating there, I think everything. The thing too is the reason I asked is because when you do that on the street, you kind of mess with the, the head angle and stuff. It can make head shake, you know what yeah. I mean? Because then you're like decreasing the trail so much that you don't have the right suspension. Yeah. You you've kind of messed with everything that the factory did to make it stable and go straight, mm -hmm. straight and then all of a sudden get um, wobble or something. To talk the dude up more, Brawny from Speed Merchant, he, the Speed Merchant triple trees were designed for Sportsters and Dinas when guys lift the rear end. They were oh, actually okay. originally designed for like street tracker Sportsters because Brawny's been doing street trackers for years. Like, um, So they were designed, they, they bring the offset back almost a half inch yeah. and it increases that trail and makes the bike stable when you lift the rear end. Right, there you go. Where we liked it, where I liked it, and it's there's been a debate with like guys like Weiss that makes triple trees for pros and stuff, but on our Sportsters, our bikes are too long. So like the pros have these like numbers that are magic numbers for them, but our bikes are too long and there's nothing we can really do to shorten them. So yeah. What I ran his trees to pull the front wheel back closer to the bike to put a little more weight on it and make the front end feel more stable mid corner, um, kind of like lowering the front end too. It kind of did the same thing, but it was just like one, one thing. And I also ran them cause he makes them wider and he makes them thick so I could bore them out for our six forks. All right. So there was a few reasons, but, and just, I, since I ride for speed merchant, having the speed merchant trees was like the cool thing to do. Yeah. But um, when he actually designed those for, he designed them for the street for guys that would lift their sportsters or lift their dinos to help the, help how they rode. Yeah, that's rad. That's rad. And so is that, what are you running on the, on your 750 that you're running? Is that what you're running as the Speed Merchant ones? Yeah. Yeah. Just the Speed cool. Merchant ones. We were, uh, we looked at like some of the Weisses and stuff like that to, 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 you can do adjustable offset and actually change the angle in some of them. Yeah, I've heard. Is that just? Do they have like a like a? I've seen some with spacers there? that are eccentric okay, that you okay. can take out, and I've seen one that has like basically hymens that you can oh, adjust. Oh, there you go, there you go. But they make them. You can. They kind of hang, <laughs> right? They kind of <laughs> hang out of the um, out of the head tube a little bit, and the Street Seven Hundred and Fifty has a really long head tube. Ah. 
So where you you run into like shock travel, yeah, or front yeah. suspension travel, because yeah, so. you kind of like lowered a little bit mm -hmm. anyway. That also decreases the you know that would decrease the the rake of it also. Yeah, which would decrease or increase the trail. I don't know exactly how, yeah. that, how that works. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I enjoyed watching you riding that thing, and I could tell. I didn't get to see you. You used trusty rusty for the main, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that that rear brake. I was action there. It's funny, like I don't like taking two bikes, and I'm like I don't ever need that. And then, like, the one night that I actually broke a bike, I was pretty happy that I had my backup bike ready. Yeah, yeah. I know. I might, you know, and it was, it was cool watching it. I didn't get to see that because we bailed, but my kids sure did, like, doing the limbo under the handlebars. Yeah, right. Like, dude, don't knock these over, dude. Like, uh, dad's going to get an ass whooping in the parking lot if you guys <laughs> mess these up. So uh, that was pretty funny. They've, well, the 750 hasn't been crashed yet, but it will be. Yeah. I've uh, I've had the talk with, with Speed Merchant and Brownie that, like, okay, you want me to race this? Like, okay, it might get crashed. Yeah. You um, know what? That's a good thing to talk about because I know, you know, a lot of other podcasts, if you go back and listen to the, some, of the, some of the ones you were talking about earlier, they talk about, did a whole episode on lending people your bike. But when you're a racer, it's totally different. Is it expected that you're going to damage something? I mean, do you have to pay for that shit when you um, go down? Or is it it's expected that you're going to go down? On yeah. The turn, right? Not so, that one, not really. Um, because of who's lending it and why they're lending it. So basically like Harley gave us that bike, like they gave each, each team a street 750. And when, since the speed merchant thing, like butcher kind of started his thing, Sean and Aaron kind of started their thing. And when we all started, I was riding for speed merchant for speedway. And the only reason I was riding for speed merchant was I knew Brawny previous and I wanted like a cool logo of my speedway Jersey. And it like it, you know, it makes you look a little bit cooler. And that was really about it. I'm like, hey, dude, like I'm I'm getting a rider bib made. You mind if I put your logo on there? And he yeah. was like, no, that'd be cool. So then he ends up like they gave me some hats and T-shirts. So I look a little more professional in the pits. And then, um, you know, so my mechanics got a speed merchant shirt and I had one when I got to the track and then I had my race bib. And then when the hooligan stuff started, like I was already kind of tied in with him. I already knew him. Um, there you go. They were like Brownie's always been into the street tracker stuff anyway. Brownie's always built like performance bikes as much as you can do for sportsters anyway. Um, so when we got the bike from Harley, it went to Speed Merchant and it's under like the titles and Speed Merchant's name. But Harley literally was like, "Hey, we want we want Wiggins to race this bike." Yeah, yeah. So um, that was kind of the understanding. So but I don't mess it up, right? <laughs> well, and that was part of it. Like it's a stock frame. Like it's got a nice paint job. Paint by Smokey did a really good job on it. It looks really good. But like we understand that. I, I'm like, if you want me to race it, and you want me to try to win races, it might get crashed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, how are you going to push it without right? You know, like and Bronny has a. He's got a Street 750 in a full chromoly frame that he built for Born Free and Hot Bike a couple years ago. And I don't even like, right? One, it's got a handbrake, but Fast J rides it and it doesn't bother him. And Bronny's like, hey man, if it gets crashed, it gets crashed. But I look at that one and I'm like, I don't know if I want to ride that one. <laughs> but this one, I'm like, I'm like, hey, Harley said they wanted me to ride it. Like, you want me to ride it. You want me to race it. And you want me to try and be competitive. Like, I'm going to race it. Like, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, it's, and especially everything we've talked about about the hooligan class getting so popular and possibly cash, and it's not, it's not, it's not like you can't not take it somewhat seriously and not yeah. try just because you yeah. don't want to like scratch the paint or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm racing Joe Cop, like 
I've got to get it all. I give it all I can just to keep up. Yeah. So. Or if in your case, like you know, somebody cartwheels in front of you and it's yeah. not quite your fault. Yeah. Then yeah, there's going to be incidents. So that's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. I I always kind of wondered about that one because I know Scott Jones got one. I know you guys got one in the Suicide Machine. I think there was a couple other guys, and I always wondered like who own who really owns that and like yeah. what are their expectations because. It's kind of like giving someone a demolition derby car and then saying, don't demo dirt, right? Yeah. Just drive, drive it around. Those were, uh, it was easy for those three guys because, you know, the one they gave to Noise, Scott's, Scott rode because Scott didn't have a modern bike. Um, the one they gave to Sean and Aaron, actually, Sean and Aaron and Butcher, I think they gave money to, to buy one. But Butcher, and Butcher got his original one from Quaid. But so the one that Butcher had, well, Butcher's the main rider, Butcher's right. going to ride it. The one that Noise has, he's, Scott's kind of the yeah. main rider sometimes, so he's going to ride it. Um, Sean and Aaron don't care, they're brothers. Um, but for Speed Merchant, it was different because it's Speed Merchant's bike, but I'm the main rider, and I'm yeah. not, like, I'm not, I have zero ownership of Speed Merchant. So it it was more like it's kind of Bronny's bike, and Bronny's the one that put in the time to build it and the money to paint it and stuff like that, so... You know he he has all that invested, but um, and I I have to say, luckily, <laughs> I don't really crash that often. That's real woods. I know. This, I, this'll I work. saw that. This will work. <laughs> um, I and even if you look at my Sportster, like it's got a couple dings on the tank, and everything else is. And honestly, the reason its tank is dented up is uh, I have no steering stops. All right. So if okay. I go to full lock, it hits the tank. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I wanted all the steering that I could have. Um, Hopefully I get a new tank and we fix, if I shorten the tank, it'll give me more clearance. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like Bronny can look at me and be like, oh, dude, you crash every other time you're out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he has that, like, if I crash, it's an accident. Like, yeah. you know, it's going to happen. Like, we know that. But, um, yeah, know, you know, come like to a, think of it, I haven't really, I haven't seen you. I'm not that style of racer. Yeah, um, I haven't seen you crash. I'm trying to think back. I mean, I seen you miss a few but yeah i haven't seen you really go down I'm trying to think the last i don't even know the last time i really i usually crash more at practice yeah dude i almost crash every time i pull out of the driveway so <laughs> i <laughs> i um I crashed everything when I've it ridden. comes to racing there's a couple different theories one is uh checkers or wreckers yeah um but yes. guys guys don't realize like if you want to win it not that we have well i guess right now we do but not that we have a lot of championship series but you know, you could get second or third. I think it was a few years ago, Jared Meese won a championship and he didn't win a single race. Yeah. So, you know, you can get seconds and thirds when other guys are getting first and tenths. Yeah. And you can win a championship. Yeah, that's happening right now in the singles class. Uh, everybody's like, oh, Shana Texter, Shana Texter. Actually, uh, she's been up and down. Kobe Carlisle, though. Kobe Carlisle's two points away just by coming. I don't, I don't, I don't think don't he's won a single podium. race. Yeah. He's podium. Podium. I don't think he's got a first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's just podiumed a bunch and came in even fourth and stuff. And, like, yeah, he's just done it the hard way. Brad Baker has done the same thing, I think. Uh, uh, you know, not not to start talking about pros, but, yeah, I mean, it's possible. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's, you when don't, I look you don't at, have to wreck them to do good. Yeah, having that Speedway background, I look at guys like Greg Hancock, who is the current world Speedway champion. Right. Fabulous, fabulous uh, rider. Oh, amazing. And he's broke his own record for the oldest guy to win a world championship. Yeah. At 45 years old now. Right. And it's like you don't go out and win world championships. Like Valentino Rossi is a great example too. 
Like he's one of the oldest guys in the MotoGP paddock. And he's like, he's consistently up front. Yeah. I mean, he was so close this year. It was. Yeah. He still wins a lot, but he's, he's still consistent. Like, yeah. I think lately, and again, I don't keep up with it that much. Like, he's been struggling with the young guys. Yeah. But he's still consistent. It seems I think, like he's I mean, always he's up like, there. I don't think, I can think of a couple times that he's crashed that I've heard about. But I think he's when he when he finishes, it's like totally like top ten. Where these yeah. other guys have a good race, finish like sixth or third, and then just finish like twelfth or lower, like the yeah. rest of their you know season or whatever. So yeah, it's it's all about you know staying up there and, and being consistent. Which is rad. But yeah, that I have not seen you crash. Um, I've done it, uh, okay, okay. but I, I try not to. Yeah. And uh, some of the other guys, I, you know, it just had me wondering. So you're, it's, it's not just because you're li- liable or Bronny is liable. It's because that's your style of racing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, even on, you know, even on Rusty, like I don't. One, you know, one of my point of view is like I don't like working on my motorcycles. I really so don't. Then, yeah, don't crash them, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, replacing parts and like <laughs> yeah. if everybody thought that way, maybe. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like spending money on stupid shit like broken stuff yeah i'd rather buy new stuff that's cool like i don't want to fix a broken motorcycle if i can go buy a a new motorcycle and have two yeah (laughs) so um and yeah i don't like i i don't know how many mechanics this way and i'm not a mechanic but um i don't like working on my motorcycle like i don't i don't go yes my bike's broke i can't wait to go work on it i'm like shit i need to go replace this on my bike yeah so it um that's kind of like my outlook of it. So I'm like, don't crash and I won't have to fix so much stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And the next time we talk, uh, I've wanted to get into this for a while, but I I never brought up because I, you know, wasn't sure of your schedule and stuff. But one of these times we're going to have to talk about building a hooligan bike from from scratch or from, you know, whatever you, whatever means you've got. Cause it, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be, a Harley to be a hooligan bike, but yeah. it always helps. And I know you got the the, the deets on that. Um, real quick, because it's I don't even know what time it is. Well, this is like your next two week shows now. Yeah, I was gonna say yes. I'm gonna <laughs> probably split this in two. Um, what uh, you have an event coming up that I want to promote as much as I can? Yeah, because it's coming up quick. I mean, it it's is ar- now. It's, already, it's happening I to you the fast. First, yes, since I talked to you the first time, it's already two months closer. So. Yeah, it's uh, what's today's date? It's barely over a month away. Since dirt quit, or when I talked to your tracker cross, that was yeah. four months ago already, dude. It's wow, like it was flown by. Yeah. Um. So September twenty third, Santa Maria Raceway, um, a big hooligan race. We're doing, uh, as far as I know, we're doing three heats in a main for every hooligan class. We have four hooligan classes, um, and I couldn't leave them like amateur and novice and expert. So the fast guys are going to be hooligan WFO um wide full open yeah <laughs> and uh the slow guys are going to be hooligan half throttle rad and then um a class i'm really excited about and i've already got some guys signed up is a hooligan street class those you have to run dot tires rad. and I'm, I'm super excited because the question you just brought up about how do you build a hooligan bike for the hooligan street class you don't need to build anything like yeah. your bike's ready you ride it there yeah you can um, don't crash yeah and then ride it home yeah yeah it's always good to have a friend with a truck just in case but try not to crash and then ride it home um and then i'm also doing the guys at born free are helping out um they're excited to 
and we're going to do a hooligan hand shift class. Oh, rad. So, uh, and I just, like, they always call them the hand shifters, and I'm like, well, if you're racing my hooligan event, I'm just tacking hooligan on the front of it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, was, throw a hand shifter on your, <laughs> your 20, 2015 or 2018. No, I asked them, about, I'm like, you guys don't shift anyway, right? So I'll just put it in gear with my yeah, hand. Yeah, then um, just go. <laughs> but no, it's super cool to see those bikes out there, dude. It's like a history. It's like live history. Um, so it's pretty crazy. Um, the street class, I'm super excited about. Like, if you have DOT tires, and some guys will ask, like, the Shinko flat track tires are DOT. You can show up with those, but you're not racing that class. You're yeah. racing the we're half throttle like class. We're talking like street class. Yeah. yeah. We're talking, I mean, uh, street tires, right. Right. You want it to be something like... I want would... it to be way more run what you brung hooligan. Like, yeah. The run what you brung name has some bad things, because guys will show up with, like, XR650's dirt bike tires. And I'm like, that's not yeah, what we're looking it's starting at. Like, to, yeah, there's, it's starting to get too buttonhole or loophole y and right. stuff like that. So, yeah. to end some of the loopholes, it's still a hooligan class. Like, all the same rules apply. It's got to be 750 cc's or larger. It's got to be two or more cylinders. It's got to be like 87 or up. And uh, you got to have DOT tires. And honestly, like, if you guys get on Chaparral or uh, if you want to look, so if you have a Sportster, um, and you have a 19 and an a 19 and a 16 duro d-u-r-o makes a tire for like 60 dollars it's an awesome tire for what we're doing it's probably hard as a rock it's it's like a (laughs) 2080 or something like on road off road yeah um i looked into those too they use them on like urals and shit like that like and honestly if you've got a sportster and you like the cool little like tracker look but you don't have wheels it's a bitchin' street tire. Like, I've seen them on street bikes, and they look good. Um, Danger Aaron from uh, Jackass has a, a street tracker, and that's what he's got on their rear. So it's a Duro. It's like 60 bucks. Um, if you have a 19 and an 18, uh, which all, you probably have 19s. For 21s, I'm not sure. But I think there's some Enduro tires out there for 21s. I'm just not sure the brands. Probably Kenda yeah. and Shinko. And yeah. honestly, I've got a Shinko 18 at home that I have ice studs in. But it's a great tire. It's like we a, get a lot of that ice around here in SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm assuming you were in Milwaukee. I was in Milwaukee for Mama Tried. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I actually, I think I looked up the Duros for my. I have a 16 inch tire on my bikes, and yeah, I think I saw one yeah. of those for like 30 bucks, depending oh, on the yeah. width, depending on how wide okay. you want them. Like it was, it was from 30 to 50 bucks. It's freaking. And cheap. yeah, the, they make like a 160 mm-hmm. something, so it's a great tread. Um, that's the ideal setup. Don't like, I know there's some street legals that are like 80, 20, like all off road. No one's going to be a fan if you bring that and you tear up the racetrack surface. <laughs> so, um, but that track's meant to be fun. And then the big thing that we're doing, if you follow my SoCal underscore hooligans on Instagram, I have 50 spots, only like 38 are open still. But it's $10 entry fee to race for the first 50 people to pre-register. So, dudes, get on this. Especially, and this covers that hooligan run what you brung class, right? Yeah, for all four hooligan classes, so even listen, the hand shifters. Get on this. If you got a bike, hell, a Dyna. Those only have 16-inch wheels, right? Yeah, Maybe. you can run a Dyna. I got a friend that might be taking a Dyna for the street class. A soft tail. Or a soft tails, right. I think or a bagger. If you're Jimmy Burnouts and want to bring your bagger, um, we're cool with that. Uh I think that's kind of the roots of it. The sporties are obviously like the faster ones, but um, but not mandatory. No, not at all. Bring a bagger. Maybe we'll find dude, some prize for a dude. Bring in a, bagger. a bagger. 
lay it over on the bars, on the crash bars, and use those as rudders yeah. just to go around the just corners, to dude. Ride the inside rail. <laughs> um, some cool stuff we're doing, uh, and the only thing totally approved is the entry fee. But I, I'm pretty sure three heats in a main, so four races. We'll probably do four lap heats, so they're not. Some of the old fat dudes are complaining. Not even myself as an old fat dude, but um, so we want to do three heats in a main. We're also trying to do. Like if you win your main event, you go up to the next main event. So you might not have any rest. So sorry, but no one cares. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, dude. So even like I'm thinking the street, the hooligan street guy, whoever wins that main goes to the hooligan half throttle main. Right. And then whoever wins, and if there's an A and a B, so you can like, class up at the event. yeah. Oh, so not only rad. like not only like say you were in the hooligan wide open C main, you get to go to the B main. That's cool. But what I think is even cooler is like if you're in the street tire main and you win it, you're going to go to the whatever half throttle main, yeah. A or B main, and race with those guys. Because you might be able to beat some of them. Like, yeah. You know? Um, and it just gives you a chance to ride more. Yeah. I mean, and then you might get hooked and you might end up buying a Sportster and supporting an American <laughs> brand. And right? Let's not talk about that cascading effect. But yeah, that is awesome, man. That and I'm thinking like too, like... You know, our I know the announcer. Um, I'm going to talk to him. He's going to hype that up. Like I think the people in the stands, like if you win the street class and you go to the half throttle main, dude, the announcer is going to hype you up, and everyone in those stands is going to be rooting for you to beat the guys in the yeah. faster class. Yeah. Even if you come in last place, it's still. Uh, what yeah. Other, what you're still other, classing up. What other way are you going to get to do that? That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, if you're if you hear this. <laughs> I command you <laughs> to go check it out. I, I've definitely I've talked already to to my wife and my kids. Uh, obviously, don't even didn't even know Chris, and we're picking him to win at the Hot August uh, Night event, and so they really want to go see him. So we've already talked about stopping by and checking this out because yeah. it's something that we we want to pump up. I know a lot of you that listen are in NorCal or you know Santa Cruz, San Francisco area, so come on south. Yeah. SoCal's going to be going on up. So It's almost in the middle for you guys. It's Santa Maria, so it's yeah. definitely a little closer. Um, still has to get approved. Uh, I think I have sponsors for it, though. We should be camping at the track, and then we should have open practice. And I'm if my sponsors that said they were going to pull through, pulls through, it'll be free. So, like, open practice on Sunday for free. Yeah. Um, so come down from NorCal. I know there's a lot of NorCal guys with – there's a couple guys with trackers, but I know there's a lot of Dinas. A lot of street sporties. Um, honestly, Dyna guys, like if we get a turnout, we might be able to make a separate Dyna class. Rad. Um, but it's not going to happen unless you show up. Yeah, you got to show up. Um, I, I'm 90% sure I had them contact me, and they're, we might have two dudes from Colorado. We might have a couple guys from uh, North Dakota coming. Um, just like the hooligan guys that are like supportive and they're in it, they're making this like one of their big events that they want to be at. So, um, it's, it's, it's turning out to be something big. Um, what are the dates? September 23rd and 24th would be the practice. And this is Santa Maria. Santa Maria Raceway. All right. And if you want to get the address and all that stuff, go to, on Instagram, it's SoCal underscore hooligans. Yep. Remember that. Check it out and stay in tune because that's where all the updates and any info and a lot of cool stuff. I mean, you've been posting stuff there. Uh, recently too just just stay stay in yeah. tune stay stay uh, checking up on that i've been trying to do uh, rider profiles and bike profiles for people so they got the info so they see what they need to do to build a bike 
um, so they can see who their favorite rider is. Rad. And so that they can see that, like, you know, there's guys in New Jersey and stuff. So if I'm if I post some guy in New Jersey and someone else in New Jersey sees it, like, now you have another guy you can go race with. So yeah, I, and, and ride out here, yeah. whatever you need to do. So that's awesome. Well, hey, I think we're gonna um, shut this down. <laughs> go. A little bit of editing to do on this to make this uh, 20 minutes long. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, wow. Have fun. Yeah, no, no. It's been great talking to you, though, Chris. We'll, we'll talk to Chris again. And again, I the reason I had him reiterate all that information is because I want to hammer into your head. I want you to uh, check that out and, and stay in touch, stay in tune, keep up on the info because that's the only way you're going to figure it out. If you want something like this to come to your area, uh, this is A, your chance, and B, Come find out how it all works and how it goes down. And if you just want to race and you don't want to start your own deal, man, run what you brung. Just ride it there. Don't crash. <laughs> ride it home. <laughs> Easy as that. Hey, it's been fun hanging with Chris, and uh, I'm gonna let you go. We're gonna we're gonna bail out of here. So we'll we'll see you guys next time. everybody that's been our show i hope you have enjoyed it tremendously and i hope it was a huge huge success and uh yeah check us out next time yeah sorry we didn't do any race reviews this week let's just say that Shayna texter is no longer blowing away the lead in the singles class in the aft flat track series and let's just say that henry wiles uh grabbed his 13th victory at the peoria tt uh cased it at the buffalo chip tt uh indian swept it again at the black mile black hills uh half mile and uh jared me still has a commanding lead over the rest of the field so maybe we'll talk about that next time don't forget spooky spokes baby spooky spokes start sending in your halloween stuff now uh we've got a couple things coming on check out on the instagrams make sure you follow wig09 that's chris and uh socal underscore hooligans also twisted underscore throttles underscore socal that is the event that brian bell from ivy league is putting on in southern california with any luck it'll be the next sturgis west coast style Uh, that's going to be happening november 3rd and 4th i believe check the instagrams and i'll make sure that i put the accurate notes in the show uh also uh, the Santa Maria SoCal Hooligans event that's coming up, Tracker Cross tr- 2. Check out Rusty Butcher's site for that. We have the uh, Los Angeles Mods versus Rockers coming up here. Ooh, I think it's this weekend. <laughs> wow, you better get up in now, I know. Uh, also, the world's largest mini bike race. You're going to have to check out Riders on the Norm for that. Guys, I want my $2. Where's my ad for that? Uh, and, anyways, also, uh, Mission Built Show coming up in September the end of september in uh san diego and uh, we'll talk to dave hargreaves from uh, cerberus moto you can check out san diego motorcycle culture for that check out cerberus moto uh look on the instagrams for all this stuff and i'll try to provide you with links as well uh the socal uh cycle swap meet is going to be coming up that's going to be the 27th of august because it is usually on the last sunday of every month If you need more listens, you can always do what I do and listen to these other great podcasts. There's the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast out of sunny Santa Cruz, California. Cleveland Moto podcast out of Cleveland. The Motorcycle Men. Riders on the Norm. Wingman's Garage. 
Loud Pipes, The Throttled Podcast, The Above Idle Podcast, The Wheel Nerds, False Neutral, The Two Enthusiasts Podcast, Adventure Rider Radio, Motorific, Cafe Racer Podcast, and Britain's number one biker podcast, Front End Chatter. You can contact the show at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up at Creative Writing Podcast on Facebook. Also, Creative Writing Podcast on the Instagrams. And the website is creative-writing.com, creative-writing.tumblr.com for our photo blog and uh, what's going on in the bike world. And uh, Twitter at creative underscore writer. Catch y'all later.